Forgiveness, from the sermon series, Soul Care, spoken by Pastor Doug Cho. We are on week four of our Soul Care series. This is principle number four. Um, for those of you who are reading the book, I hope you're reading the book as you follow along. Uh, it's a great resource. Uh, it's Soul Care by Dr. Rob Reamer. Um, you'll see that we are embracing this idea of freedom. Freedom in our souls, freedom in our lives. And we really want to build up on these concepts. There's this building up from principle one to the end. And you'll see it as we kind of go through. And actually, uh, Dr. Reamer calls this process breaking ground. Breaking ground. He is referencing Ephesians 4 when Paul warns us about giving the devil a foothold in our souls. And what we're doing is actually we're breaking ground and we're breaking down strongholds that the devil has in our lives. So what do we mean by all this, right? What, what is this breaking ground, breaking strongholds? Well, that term ground actually comes from the Greek word tapas, right? And that word literally means place. So when Paul warns us, he's saying, do not give the devil a place in your heart, in your soul. And so when we talk about place and when we talk about this concept of stronghold, right, we have a picture of a stronghold or a fortress, it's this idea of place. So if you look at this picture, actually, these forts are designed to hold a place. If you see the walls are unscalable, there's arches up top so that people can attack you from the top of the towers and whatnot. And it's just very difficult to infiltrate this place. They're designed to hold on to that place, right? And so when we talk about strongholds, this concept comes from 2 Corinthians 10, right? This is Paul. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. There's that word. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We're doing battle for souls, for our spirits, for ourselves. And so... This, this building up, we started with identity, right? We talked about building our identity on the rock of Jesus Christ into repentance and family sin pattern, getting all these secrets and sin out into the light so that God can have his way with them. Now, forgiveness. It's this building up. Here we are. And forgiveness is the next step in what we do for breaking ground. And I got to tell you, forgiveness is hard. We have to acknowledge this right now. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is a journey. It's a process. And for some of you, you may think that forgiveness might be impossible for some of the things in your lives. We see this because there are so many ways in which people cope in order to circumvent forgiveness. The emotionally shut down, substance abuse, promiscuity, People use their careers to cope. People use their children to cope. There are all sorts of things people do. They use and abuse in order to cope with their past. 
I lived it. I still struggle today forgiving my father. Many of you know that um, my father and I, we had a really rocky relationship. It took me 20 years to forgive that man. And this is not me blaming him for the choices I made and for the ways in which I lived my life. Right? We cannot confuse that. This is not a blame game type of thing. I need to own my part in what happened. But I must also acknowledge his brokenness and how it affected me in order for me to truly honor him and love him. You cannot honor your family, your parents, or your friends, nor can you truly love them if you have things that you need to forgive. We must acknowledge their brokenness to do that. You cannot honor family with resentment. So once again, forgiveness is hard. And oftentimes, the people that you have to forgive are the ones that are closest to you. So we're going to be answering two questions today on forgiveness. Two. The first is, why do I need to forgive? And the second is, how do I forgive? Why do I need to forgive? And how do I forgive? So before we actually go into our text, uh, we're going to pray. Holy Spirit, please come and speak to your people. Would you fill me with your word? And God, would this be a time where your word is proclaimed? That this service would bring you glory. And that you would revel in it, God. Spirit, would you move in such a way that your people would desire forgiveness? that they would seek it. So Lord, we thank you for this time that we have with you. We dedicate it to you. We lift it up to you. It is our offering to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. 
When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. When the master called the servant in, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This parable starts off with a really annoying question. Peter is essentially approaching Jesus about church conflict and he's trying to score points with him, right? He's trying to score points and he offers this generous answer to this question about how many times he should forgive his brother or sister. He says, seven. It's fairly generous. But what Peter is actually doing here is he's looking for the bare minimum, right? He's looking for the bottom line in which he can be on Jesus' good graces, but that's about it. And Jesus looks at him, he says, seven? No, 77. In some translations, they even translate this to seven times 70. So 490 times. So when we read this, we can see and we can interpret this as, this is not a quantity issue for forgiveness, right? This is not about having to account of how many times you've forgiven someone and making sure that you're within that number. Right? To, to be stuck on the quantity of forgiveness is to miss the point entirely. What we're actually looking at here is the depth of true forgiveness. So what do I mean by depth of true forgiveness? It's essentially the depth of love that you have for this person. Just as how the Father forgave us because of love. And a great example or a great uh, way to kind of read into this is uh, through the lens of 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, sorry, is, uh, is not about marital love. Corinthians 13 is about Christ followers' love. It's about the love of the one who believes in Jesus. It reads, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Those who love as the Christ follower keep no record of wrongs. So on to our first question. Why forgive? The first reason is because this is the way in which the Father forgives you. This is the way in which the Father forgives you. This is about the depth of his love. The depth of his love reaches down into the darkest places of our souls. You are completely covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Completely forgiven. Completely redeemed. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. 
Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. This debt is unrealistic, right? This debt is just far too much money for anyone to ever accumulate in many lifetimes. So in actuality, this servant's plea to his master is actually, it means nothing because it's an empty promise. There's no possible way that this man is going to be able to pay back this debt. In actuality, selling his family into slavery, because back then what they did was they sold people to work for others in order to pay back debt, that also meant nothing because it would take lifetimes over for them to pay, pay this back. So this man is begging, making an empty promise, and the master has pity on him and actually forgives him of this debt. He lets him go free. And that is exactly what God's mercy and grace does to those who seek him. It sets them free. God's forgiveness sets people free. And God declares this over us all throughout Scripture. Right? God tells us he will blot out our sin, that he will remove our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. He will hold no record of our wrongs. God promises this to his people. But we as his people are also called to live into this kind of forgiveness, to model the king's forgiveness. And so we must ask ourselves, does the one we forgive experience this type of freedom? Do they experience freedom for our, from our judgment? And so if you're actually thinking, um, Pastor Doug, am I to naively forgive people over and over? Am I to do this, the same thing over and over again with them as we repeat the situation and just constantly dole out forgiveness to them? The answer is yes. We are called to forgive over and over. So how does this make sense? How does this make sense? It's only because God's forgiveness for you looks like that. We sin every day. No one lives a life worthy of God. And he is constantly giving grace and mercy. His mercies are new every day, every morning. But this does not mean we're called to be big pushovers. And we're called to let people run us over. In fact, the passage prior to this passage is about conflict resolution. It's about confrontation. It's about dealing with relationships to keep the church united and holy. Right? If you have a conflict with someone, you confront them one-on-one. -on -one. And if that doesn't work out, you bring in a mediator. But in all of this, you're called to forgive over and over and over now, side note, is that if confrontation is not an option because of safety, let's say this is an abuser, that's okay. You don't have to meet with this person. Forgiveness can be unilateral. It can be one-sided. Forgiveness is for the forgiver, not for the forgiven. This forgiveness is meant to set the forgiver free. Pastor Peter says it best. 
you know you've forgiven someone when you can wish them the best. And there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to, to that statement because it really means that you harbor no bitterness towards this person. I would even take it as far as you know you've forgiven someone when their sin makes you sad. When your heart breaks for their sin, just as their sin breaks the Father's heart. That is what forgiveness looks like. We're called to model the forgiveness that was given to us. The second reason, the second reason is to forgive is so that you'll have real freedom. Real freedom. Verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. We see the heart of this servant and we see that it has not been touched and transformed by this grace given to him by his master. We see it when he sees his fellow servant and begins to choke him. That word choke actually hints at this idea of strangling. It's a very aggressive act. And so this man is abusing his fellow servant. He's not treating him with dignity. And in actuality, because of his unforgiveness, he has this man imprisoned. He holds him hostage to the debt that is owed to him. His inability to forgive, this picture of it is in stark contrast to the sinful woman in Luke 7. A couple weeks ago, we talked about having a heart of contrition. A contrite heart looks like someone who knows what they've done and have received grace, but because of it, they're brought to tears. This, the woman in Luke 7, what does she do? She anoints Jesus' feet with her tears and she washes them, she kisses them because she knows that he's loved her greatly through this grace. God's people should know in their souls that their salvation and righteousness were, brought, were bought at the ultimate price. God's people should know that their salvation and righteousness were bought at the ultimate price. And it's this forgiveness that we share that overflows from, from God to us and to others that breaks down the strongholds in our lives. This is how you experience true freedom. And this is back to Ephesians 4. This is about breaking ground. We are breaking down ground when we forgive and let go of bitterness. If we don't, we actually build up the very strongholds that we want to break down. So then how do we forgive? How do we forgive in such a way that we experience freedom? We're going to be looking at a few things 
uh, that are outlined in soul care. The first is to meditate on the grace that has been given to you. Meditate on the grace that has been given to you. There's a complexity in this parable that I really appreciate when the servant gets angry at the other servant for the debt he's owed. Because there's a specific number that's brought there, 100 silver coins. Now, 100 silver coins is not 10,000 bags of gold, right? But 100 silver coins was essentially 100 days' wages. So if you think about 100 days of your salary being taken away or owed to someone, it's a pretty substantial amount of money. It's money that I would definitely want to see come back to me. The amount is significant enough to think about and to have on your mind. And I do believe that this is Christ acknowledging the cost of forgiveness and standing with us in that vulnerability. It is Christ acknowledging that forgiveness is difficult and that there is a price to it. But you see, forgiveness is actually not solely just a faith issue. See, faith issues are, you know, I believe in God. Christ saved me. Christ loves me, right? But forgiveness is an obedience issue. It is the application of our faith. It is faith in practice. We obey God. We obey God and his love for us and the ways in which he set us apart and what he has planned for his people and how he's designed us to live as a church. We live in obedience in that way when we forgive. And that's why uh, one of the soul care exercises is pray blessings on those who offend you. At first, this might be incredibly insincere or almost impossible. You may not even be able to pray a word. You may not even be able to pray a, a decent blessing over this person. But God will respond to your obedience as long as you're trying. It might feel impossible. It could be impossible, maybe. But that is why we seek God's supernatural love to free us from that. It takes supernatural love to love your enemies. It's easy to love your friends. But the love of Christ is required to love your enemies, to love those who hurt you, those who offended you. We must seek that. And that's why we go to him in prayer and we try to pray these blessings. We need supernatural love. The second is to offer forgiveness at the level of offense. Offer forgiveness at the level of offense. I actually realize that I have more trouble forgiving a lot of the smaller offenses in my life than the larger like earthquake type events or crises. And I think that it's actually because the smaller ones just 
seem insignificant at the time, right? So, you know, you kind of just brush it off and let it be. But many times, we don't realize that the small things pile up. And so even though it's not an issue at the moment, you take a dozen small things and then you have something significant. Um, I've shared many times about my hurt with my father and, you know, the, the abuse and the neglect that I have really had to work through. And I, I totally just dove into that. I recognized it as something I needed to work on. I worked on it. I processed it. We reconciled. It was, like, really dramatic. But I found a lot of healing there. But what I didn't realize is that on the other side of it, especially when it comes to, like, family slogans, it was my mom who contributed. One of the family slogans uh, towards me from my mother was, when will you change? When will you ever change? Or she, she would say, um, you're never going to change. You're never going to change. Or I don't see any change happening. And she started saying this to me when I was 14, when I was like a teenager. It's been 20 years, and she still says it. I'm going, on, I'm going on to 35 now. She's still saying it to me. And, you know, at first, you know, because I was a teenager and this is my mom talking to me, it's kind of like just like motherly nagging. It's like not a big deal. But, man, 20 years later, woman, I freaking changed. Come on. So hard. Just hearing that now. And then I remember it really came to, um, into my vision when one day we were, we were going on like a mother-son type of date uh, in Tenafly, actually. And we were eating lunch together. It was pleasant. And we we're just talking. And she looks at me and she says, she says, you know, the reason I let you become a pastor is because I want you to change. Oof. I remember, like, I felt like a crazy man. And I, I literally walked around Tenafly like a crazy man. I had to leave the restaurant, right, politely, politely left. And they just walked around Tenafly like a crazy man. I, I was so close to just screaming my head off because I was so angry that she said that to me. It was one of the few times that I just, I totally saw red. got back together, and I was just really confused why this triggered me so hard. And then I realized, it's not this one-off situation. It's that little by little, she was building something up against me. This offense was growing, has been growing over 20 years. And it's just like the analogy in soul care with the cups and the gallons. Um, at first, I was just trying to brush it off, right, and offering her a cup of forgiveness. But I was trying to meet a large offense, a five-gallon offense against me with this cup that was far too small. And that's why I had no peace from it. And that's why it triggered me so badly.
See, there's so many things we just brush off. And, you know, when people, like, give you, like, a, like a, a lazy apology, and you're like, yeah, yeah, it's cool, it's cool. It might not be cool. That might not be enough. You may not have truly forgiven them. And if you're not really over it, if you haven't really forgiven that incident, I guarantee you, it'll come out sooner or later. The third. The third is to process your forgiveness and grieve. Process your forgiveness and grieve. Grief is very complicated. Many of us have yet to process certain losses and are unable to forgive people or even ourselves. Loss of opportunity, loss of a dream, loss of a loved one, loss of time, loss of innocence. And beyond that, the losses that we experience often involve more than just one person. Most of the times, uh, there are many layers to our grief and our loss. And many layers to the things that we need to forgive. Uh, so parents, I'm just going to warn you right now, uh, if you have young children in the room, uh, the illustration I'm going to share is about inappropriate touch. So if you think they're too young, you know, definitely send them out right now. Fair warning. Um, but I got permission from my wife uh, to share this story. Her family used to own um, a photo printing store when she was younger. And, you know, um, back then it was, they, were, they were just trying to scrape together a living. So they were really busy, really, really busy. And so she would spend a lot of her free time after school at this store. A lot of times the parents weren't at the store because either they were trying to run the store or they're out getting supplies or they're doing other things. So she was just there by herself. But they felt okay because they hired someone to watch the store. So it was her and this hired worker. Unfortunately, this is a worst case scenario type of thing um, because before long, the hired worker started to touch her inappropriately and he sexually abused her. And this incident, um, it, it, it immediately silenced her. Uh, she, she felt like it was wrong, but she didn't really know how to articulate it. There were times where um, her mom would be leaving the store, and she'd try to ask her mom to, to take her with her, but her mom like, had no idea why she wanted that, so she was like, no, just stay at the store. This happened for two years. She endured this for two years until finally at a school assembly, they taught her that what was happening to her was wrong. And so she spoke up and she told a teacher. Man. And her parents had no idea. They were shocked when they heard the, the police came, they arrested the man, and she never saw him since. But what was done was done. It took her years to process what happened to her to kind of embrace this idea of innocence again. 
to, to be able to go back to those years of her life and grieve. But as she was processing and trying to work out forgiveness for this man, she realized that she also needed to forgive her parents. She needed to grieve and forgive them for leaving her at the store. She needed to grieve and forgive them for not noticing that there was something different. She needed to grieve and forgive them for not trying to hear her out. If she didn't, and she chose silence, just grit her teeth, she would never experience the freedom that she's experienced today. Because when she was able to forgive, she changed. She changed. She was able to have conversations about this again. She's able to share this story. She's able to love her family in such a way that was different than before. It was fuller. It was more genuine. It was brighter. Her forgiveness freed her from the bondage that was forced on her. And again, this is not about her blaming her parents for their part or her self-pity. No, this was about her freedom. And I watched her change as she grabbed onto it. When we choose forgiveness, we break the strongholds that the devil builds up in our souls. And we allow the redemptive healing presence of God to transform us. Choosing forgiveness and obedience to God is not just about being a good Christian. It's about being set free from bondage and letting God truly reign in our hearts. I pray that that's what you'll experience when you forgive today. Let's pray together. Uh, we're just going to take a moment um, to pray. And if you could um, meditate on this. I want you to go to the Lord and ask him, Father, what is your heart for me? What is your heart for me? When we read this passage of scripture, it, it, it might seem callous when there's a mandate to forgive. It might seem insensitive because it doesn't seem like it acknowledges hurt and pain from the past.
we believe in a God who stands with his people. We worship and love a God who grieves and weeps for his people. So again, ask him, what is his heart for you in all of this? Do you truly trust that what he has set out for you, what he has designed for you, is truly good? And that our obedience to it is actually a path to freedom. So Father, I just want to thank you for this time and thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that you would just embrace all my brothers and sisters right now. That you would fill them with your spirit. That God, they would be filled with a supernatural love that helps them forgive even the darkest of offenders, Lord God. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your love and your will for your people. We pray, Lord, that you would be glorified through our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, If you have the communication card, uh, just open that up, and we'll go to the next steps. The first is I will share the name of someone that I need to forgive with someone I trust. Be specific. Um, Again, this is not a blame thing. This is not a pity party. But this is um, accountability. This is a struggle. This is a community struggle that we can help each other fight through. The second is I will be intentional about meditating on God's grace in my life. What is God's heart for you? One of the verses uh, or chapters of scripture that I always meditate on is uh, John 20. Uh, When Jesus appears before the disciples and he says, peace be with you. Meditating on that for years now has changed my life. There's power in scripture. I, I, I really hope that Um, You meditate on scripture. You meditate on his grace for you, his will for you. Three, please send me resources that will help me do a genogram life confession. Uh, This is kind of a continuation of what we talked about last week. But I think it helps to see a picture um, and have it out on paper of the things that happen to us, our highs and our lows, and really just being able to almost take itinerary of maybe the things we need to forgive in our lives. And the last is, please sign me up to receive information about the Soul Care Conference on January 14th to 16th. So uh, Dr. Reamer does online Soul Care Conferences now due to COVID. 
Uh, but you know, you can register for this, and you know, you can experience the whole soul care experience uh, through his conference at home. Uh, it's powerful. It's wonderful. I've been to one. Um, he's amazing, and so definitely check that out.